1: for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right.
2: Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett.
3: To really know, really, with Jason Alexander and Peter Tilden, the number one podcast in America, thinks it would be just great if you subscribe to this one. In this episode, you'll learn about one of the world's biggest wine frauds who sold twelve thousand bottles of fake wine. Really, no, really. You'll learn about the secretive black market for wine, the correct way to taste and authenticate wine, and how wine and organized crime goes together like Chablis and Brie. And now here are two guys who go together like vanilla and kale, Jason Alexander and Peter Tilden.
4: You start. Why do I always start? You start. This one. By the way, you should leave that in, that he's saying you start, what I always start. I always start I always start because you always say to me we I'm, come out of the, I'm the star of the show. Always, I'm the star of the show. I have
5: never said that. I've never said that. Do to you feel it? that?
4: Yes, but I <laughs> wouldn't say it. That's okay, rude. You. Exactly. So here we go. I'll do you. I'll do you. Here we go. Ready, Laurie? Here's how Jason starts every episode. We have a very special
5: episode today. This is special. And I go, Why? <laughs> and you go, I don't know, but I like calling it that. You know, you make up crap about me all the time. A, I've never said that. Be, I'm still reeling because you put out to America that I'm an underwhelming driver. and, and uh, Wow, that was from episode 105 I'm still like hurting, years I'm ago. I'm still hurt by that. I'm still hurt by all that. Right, just, all right, Mario Andretti. You have fantasies around wow. me. Wow.
4: Like a, me a drunk favor.
5: person. Do me a uh, favor. Oh, segue. Do me a favor.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so this episode, the yeah. know, really. there was another incident of wine fraud. And I have been fascinated with wine fraud since I saw the movie Sour Grapes. Yes. Which was about the huge wine fraud that was exposed. Not to be confused, by the way. I not the Larry David says, movie. Not the Larry David right. movie, right. This was one where there's a wine fraud and that one of the Koch brothers was scammed and he hired a private investigator and they found out that this guy, this guy was doing his own wines. And I think it was $20 million, $30 million. Auction houses didn't catch it. It was amazing. So with yet another wine fraud we wanted to have on somebody who could kind of tell us what that world is about and why this fraud happens so often. And when you look up this person, they're it. Maureen Downey, is it over 20 years experience at this point? Yes, over 20 years experience. Stands out as an independent expert on finding rare wine. (laughs) The foremost authority on counterfeit. And your name does come. It's like you're it. You're You're the big kahuna in this thing. They call you the Sherlock Holmes of wine. One of the 50 most powerful women in wine. Uh, She specializes in authentication and valuation. You have inspected hundreds of millions of dollars worth of wine. And you advise the top collectors, etc. And
5: a graduate of Boston University. Just, you know. Where many people oh, my arms. I got nothing. I got
4: no chills, <laughs> no nothing. Great. Thanks.
6: Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me.
5: All right, so we got to ask about the, the, the wine
4: fraud. So the, what Sour Grapes was about, what's the guy's name? Karen- so Kurn- Rudy Curnia won. Okay. So my question about that and other things that we'll get to that that are baffling about the credibility of wine and, and the pricing of wine, that was a giant fraud, like $20 million worth or more? Way, Way more. Than how, than much, how much? How much?
6: So the restitution, and I I did the reports for the DOJ that set most of the restitution, but he owns over $28 million in restitution, but he sold at least $100 million worth of counterfeit wine. So my question is At the time of sale, that's worth like, you know, 10 times that today.
4: So here's my question underlying that. With all the experts and the sommeliers and the people who can describe wine, no expert picked this
6: up. That's not true. Oh,
4: it's not true? I thought that it was good research.
5: Good research,
4: Peter. Starting in Shut 2002, <laughs> yeah.
6: I was a friend of Rudy and the guys at Acker. And, you know, there was a small group of us in our 20s. But by 2002, I was running the wine auction, new auction house at Zaki's. And Rudy decided that he wanted to be a player. And he tried to sell some wine with me. Now, one of the things that always baffled me was that If a, if a kid were to walk into an auction house with millions of dollars worth of jewelry, the auction house would be like, all right, prove to us that you want it. Where'd you buy it? And he never claimed that like his parents were major collectors and this was their collection. So he had to have bought the wine, right? Right. So when he tried to sell this wine with us at Zachy's, I said, okay, show me receipts. And he couldn't come up with a receipt. So a couple of years later, you know, he's selling $34 million in, in one, two piece auction. And I'm like, why is nobody in the world asking questions? It, the sommeliers in New York, some of them, who one of whom is a huge part of this story, worked with me at Zaki's. He knew Rudy was a crook. And for some reason, all these guys went from like doing the right thing to wanting to be part of the, the party. There was way too much money and way too little education. And these guys all wanted to believe. And it was Peter Pan in a bottle. And it, it was, what a but it was also, it was lots of drugs. It was lots of hookers. Like it, it is. This is the wolf of wine street. It basically. is a hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So
4: they were all, a lot of people were all in because they were benefiting in a big way.
6: I said that Rudy was doing this in 2002. Bill Koch had had a suit. So I started working with Bill's investigators in 08 and with the FBI in 08. Did nobody know? Of course they knew. We knew in 2002, we knew that. That the, that the guys at the auction house where he sold the wine were chandelier bidding and, and putting fake underbids in their book. It was an open secret. So, and, you know, don't talk to me about sommeliers. Like, really? Sommeliers do not, because you study wine, does not mean that you know how to authenticate old and rare bottles. And even if you do know about old and rare wine, if you were to take a case of bottles and put them in a cellar in perfect condition, 12 bottles, and come back to them 50 years later, they're all going to be totally different. Think of triplets. Separate triplets at birth, right? Bring them back when they're 60 years old. They're not going to have a whole, whole lot in common, right? So anybody that's like, oh, well, I can tell that that's counterfeit because I tasted it. There's no way. Oh, shit, Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, I love you. See, oh, I'm yeah. liking, I'm yeah. liking your ring oh. I'm laughing because there was, and I'm preparing you you know, all these stories, oh. but I wanted to prepare. So Balthazar our restaurant, I read that there was an incident In 2000-whatever, 2002, I think, where uh, um, a table full of executives, wine connoisseurs, ordered a bottle. And at another table was a couple celebrating, like, their first anniversary. And they ordered the cheapest bottle, which was $12 a bottle. And the restaurant accidentally mixed them up. And the table, of course, that got the $12 bottle, which was expecting this $2,000, I don't remember what it was. they, You know, it has this, and it has a mouthfeel, and it has that, and blah, blah, blah. And then when they pointed it out to the, table, to the table, we'd made a horrible
5: mistake. The head of the party went, you know, I knew. I knew right. something I mean, was I worse. don't understand the story to begin with. If I've ordered a $2,000 <laughs> bottle of wine they don't bring the wine to the table this so I can more, read that it's not Fleischmann's
3: wine. <laughs> right. <from>
5: how, <laughs> how do you? What, they just let the guy pour and go, I assume this is from the $2,000 bottle.
6: I don't understand this. I don't story. know how bosses are. I don't, I don't know how know. this could be. I, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, if I'm going to order an expensive bottle, bring it over to the table, open it at the table, pour it at the table. Yeah. I don't want any, because sh- I know the shenanigans that can happen, right? Like that, you know, the, hey, but God bless the $12 bottle piece. Oh, they went out. They went the out as sommelier, happy as happy the kids as Some right,
5: shamalia. Didn't go over to the couple that knows he, he can see they're ordering, you know, à la carte, and he's opening $2, right. a two thousand dollar bottle of wine with a, and not questioning this whole affair. Well, this and, whole story is. All right, let me just. So, tell what
4: you. about the tests when they do like the the one test where they sent three of the same bottles of wine to be graded, and one was not acceptable, and one was great, and one was uh, and it was the same wine.
6: So I'm a wine judge. Uh, I do like the International Wine of Challenge you do, in London yeah. and. Texom and a couple other ones. And that can happen where one panel will throw a wine out and say it's no good and another panel will give it a gold. So a lot of it has to do with the mood you're in, who you're with. You know, if you're tasting with a bunch of people that are duds or you can't stand them or one of them is, you know, annoying you or whatever, you can decide that wine, that wine isn't good. And another team who's getting along great is great. Like if they're playing jazz, my scores go down. You know, if they're playing like 1980s alternative, my scores go way up. Can I just say, you okay, are, I, I, you know what? I'm I, so happy I you're here. So, I,
5: I, me too, because I went from, I'm going to have nothing to talk to this woman about because I, I'm one of those people. I, A, I'm not a drinker. B, I, I can taste nothing. You give me a glass of wine. I, I'll, I'll go either. It has a fruity quality or a dry quality. I, and people are talking about, I taste this. I taste that. I go, I taste maybe a grape and a lot of alcohol. To me, this is all a fesso. This, this whole, the, the, the tasting and these people that go, yes, I taste the oak, I taste the thing. I was in a, <laughs> I was in Israel. I know we're going to talk a little bit about the, the Israeli wineries. But years ago, and I was with a gentleman, an actor, who, who was in the wine business as well. And we're in this wonderful, in the middle of the desert, this winery, and he's got five glasses. And we're all tasting, and I can't taste the goddamn thing. And he's tasting, oh, I, t- oh, I taste the uh, there's a hint of cherry in this, and I think this must have been in a uh, uh, an oak cast because I'm getting some oak. And I'm, and he's going from glass to glass. And I and on the fourth one, I go, "Can I take this one?" Uh, I'm getting a rattlesnake, and I think Shlomo may have urinated on this vine uh, a week or so
6: ago. Yeah, you know, and they're all laughing, and I'm going, "But that's I might as well be talking the truth, realistically." So it, you can study it; it is a language. I've been studying wine since I was eighteen. You know, I started for the Master of Wine. And in the Master of Wine, you need to be able to taste not only what grape variety or blend, where it's from, you know, the vintage, the soil that it's grown in. But you need to say at what temperature it was fermented. No. Yeah. In Mm. what kind of vessel it was fermented and for how long. You can do it. It takes a long time, but you can do it. No, But dudes on Wall Street can't do that when they're in their 30s.
4: You can say this dry, arid soil. It was... It was it was in a from cast the, cast from the southern ye- ye- of, of it's this it, just, it was fermented in a Volvo in nineteen eighty seven yeah, I mean <laughs> so
6: like a lot of Sauvignon Blancs that are really have like really high acid and really primary flavors, those have been fermented in a neutral vessel, so concrete or steel at a cold temperature with highly rectified yeast strains. It it does it actually. You can tell you're yes. pretty good at
5: telling Wow. Yeah. Can I just say yeah. something, to you, Pim? I'm guessing. It takes a hell of a lot to get this woman drunk. <laughs> well, okay, thinking, so that's another thing. I'm thinking she can hold a couple of <laughs> bottles uh, When around. you spit out, you, when you taste, you spit, right?
6: <laughs> I am Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you don't spit. No, you do have to spit, and and, and, and you got to drink a lot of water. And ah. um, But, you know, I want to go back to something. You can tell the difference, even if you're not a drinker. Somebody who is a Coca-Cola drinker, if you give them a Pepsi, they're going to be like WTF. You bet, yep. Right? So even if you think, oh, I can't taste, I, you know. Like, my father used to always say, oh, I can't taste wine. I put two glasses of wine in front of him every time he would go to the best one.
5: Really? Really?
4: So,
6: even though you don't think you can, I think it's more about learning the language of being able to wine taste. But so many and things training training affect it. training your
4: palate. It. But then again, you, again like one after the other, where you say, when they show price tags, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it, the price tag affects how they taste the wine. That this is a better wine because it's got a higher price tag. Right. So, the assumption is that. Because I read in preparing for this, that there's so many things people say they taste, but even the best palate cannot taste more than three or four things yeah, in a wine? I with that.
6: Because that's impossible because, well, so I have allerg- I'm have i actually allergic to alcohol. I learned this during the MW oh. program. I know. So I have to blow my nose like crazy. I'm like, sorry, everyone. But uh, I taste tactile So a lot of my, my perception comes from tactile. So like when you think of the difference between milk, think of cream, milk, and water. Mm-hmm. right sure. you you can automatically know yep. exactly what oh, I'm talking feels, about there just right? the there's yeah. just different feelings, and then you just think of different textures. there's a difference between silk and burlap and those those are ways that I would describe tannin so you know the 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 way that you that you approach tasting wine isn't just about the roses and the flowers and the, you know, oh, I a fawn ran through the field after the dew, you know it's not really that it is actually finding different things, but There have to be more than three or four because you've got aromas, which exist. These are esters. You have, you know, acid makes you salivate. Tannin pulls the the saliva literally from your gums and dries your mouth out. Alcohol burns your mucous membranes. And you can perceive salty, bitter, sweet. Sugar weighs heavier on your palate. So, I mean, right there, just tactilely, you've got more than three or four so
4: God, if you BS, you're so good. You're so good, and I mean, you make me. I mean, it is. It's fascinating to hear. Do you go in a restaurant and watch people do stuff and go, "This is such bullshit." <laughs> Look at table eight. I mean, where they're doing their whole deal.
6: When people smell corks, I always laugh. Like, why the hell are you gonna smell the cork? Smell the wine. What's the cork? Why do you, do? do you smell the cork? It's, you don't. Because <laughs> you don't know what the Okay, hell what doing. else? Give me other
4: things people do that to show off. That's all uh, nonsense.
6: Um, God, I
4: love that. And the next time I'm with somebody with a cork, I'm going to go, Schmuck, Schmuck, what do you smell the yeah.
6: What do you smell the Smell the wine. Yeah. And then i getting you on the phone to explain. <laughs> exactly. You can feel the cork and see, you know, if it's too hard or too soft, but don't smell the cork. Yeah, you what, gotta... are you going to eat the cork? Right. It's the dumbest thing I ever saw. Um, <laughs> oh, I just think that people who wax and wane too poetic or sit there and spend too much time, like, yeah, enjoy your wine, but sh- shut up.
4: Just drink it. It's yeah. a beverage. Yeah. So oh, I, know, I looked up terms. Jason, are these real terms? And you say if they're
5: real terms or not? Youthful. A youthful wine. Yes. Yes. Umami. Umami is when it applies to wine. Mm-hmm. Umami is supposed to be about like a sort of a meaty flavor. Exactly. I can't imagine it applies to wine. Why? Uh, you want, wine. You want a leather? You want a meaty flavor? Oh yeah. Wine? You do? Hmm.
6: Like oh, a nice coat routine. You're a
5: little bit of a freak, I can see. <laughs> Drinks a lot, never gets drunk, and likes leather in her <laughs> wine. I, you know, I don't know. Salmon. <laughs> Salmon? No. Uh, it's a color. Oh, I thought this was all about right, oh, don't touch taste. me. Don't hit
4: me. Don't hit me. Velvety.
5: Velvety, I've heard, yes. Yeah? Nutty. Nutty, I've also. Intense. Sure. Jammy. Jammy? Jammy. That's what I put on when I taste my wine. Is
4: it jammy? Yeah, Yeah. a lot of
6: New World wine is jammy. And what does that mean? Sweet fruit. Ah. Like cooked fruit.
4: Uh huh. Tempting. Is it descriptor? Tempting?
5: I guess. Cerebral? Cerebral. They call
4: wine. Okay. Cere-
6: if you call wine cerebral, that's like this really sucks. But I have to think about it a lot. It's like trying to find something nice to say. Yeah. Contemplative. Same thing. <laughs> so these are real terms, but they're. Well, if you're a winemaker and somebody's like your wine is very cerebral, like I don't want you to be. I want you to see it's delicious. Can I ask a question?
5: How, how much time did you spend on this?
6: component? No, no, I just
5: wanted because these were so. Did you go to one site and you pull it off? This is this is get ridiculous. Up, up. Were you drunk? Get out. Get up.
7: i'm mini driver and this was the idea i set out to explore in my podcast mini questions this year we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions including Mm -hmm. actress and star of the mega hit sitcom friends courtney cox you can't go around it so you just go through it this is a roadblock it's gonna catch you down the road go through it deal with it comedian writer and star of the series catastrophe Rob
3: Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty.
7: Alt-Rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal
8: disaster
1: wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end.
7: And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
10: smart and intellectual i'm kind of smart i think like it would be fun we have the best conversations like we have fun but then he would treat me like crap
9: listen to on purpose with jay shetty on the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts trust me you won't want to miss this one
5: so i was watching a little bit of of um Bill Koch was being interviewed by this, Mm -hmm. and that was about the Thomas Jefferson Mm bottles, the the
6: faux. But if I had. They're all faux,
5: by the way. There's no real Thomas Jefferson bottles. No. Okay. Is there a bottle of wine from that year that if I opened it today would taste the way you want it to taste? No. I was going to. I mean, totally gross. You would never drink a bottle of wine that.
6: What's like. So
5: The cutoff is if it's more than X years, don't drink it. Just look at it as a piece of history. So
6: if there happened to be somebody who was working on the show who could Google things, maybe they might be able to look this up. But there was a there was some ancient wine that was found in the Middle East Uh um, and it had been topped with olive oil because that's what they used to use right before corks because olive oil keeps the oxygen out. And then they tested the liquid and it was still safe to consume. Right but it was nasty.
5: Oh, but so
4: is that basically with a bill with a Coke brother?
6: Is so that, it, is that, is that Coke because brothers you brothers Are, are Bill's brothers. So oh. Bill has the, the, when you talk about the Coke brothers,
4: yeah, those are his
6: two brothers. Yeah. So Bill's separate.
4: So when you talk about, okay, the, the Coke from the, bill the Coke. movie, Bill Coke, Coke. Um, is that basically just so you can say, I have this bottle that, that is not about consumption. It's about it's historical like history, right? So,
6: right. So here's a really interesting thing about counterfeit. So, Prior to Rudy Craniawan, there was a very famous counterfeiter named Hardy Rodenstock. And Hardy Rodenstock was big in the 80s and the 90s. So he's where I learned about counterfeits. Hardy Rodenstock made counterfeits that were not only to counterfeit wine, but they were all important years, you know, like 1864, 1865, end of the Revolutionary War, the year that Abraham Lincoln. So somebody like a Bill Koch, who collected wine and Americana, is going to go for those kinds of of wow. years, so when I teach people about how to authenticate these important years for the world are something that you look for somebody Sotheby's or christie's did a did a big spent a lot of money and and established that people who collect wine are the most likely to collect something else at least something else. so people who collect Very wine smart. rarely only collect
4: they're wine. doing art they're doing historical right. historical stuff wow right.
6: So Bill Koch was collecting Americana. So for him, that was part of Americana. And it was realized because his Americana was going to the Elizabeth Gardner Museum in Boston. And they're the ones that fact-checked it. But it was interesting. I'd been trying to get a hold of him since 2006 for Rudy Craniawan bottles that he bought that I, that I knew were just fake as could be. So And he never responded? Um, no, but I ended up testifying about them in court for him. So when you're looking
4: at the bottle of wine, whether it's historic BS or whether it's a real date from way back, can't you do th- authentication of the label, the bottle, how bottles were made at that point, where they were made at that point? That's
6: exactly I what I do. Ah. So, And people are always like, well, do you test the liquid? I'm like, no, because if you test the liquid, if it's a $20,000 bottle and I'm testing the liquid. Now yeah. Now what? You know, and or Although
5: they have a thing called a rabbit and you don't yeah. even have to open the core. The I, core know from, I know about wine. Look at this. Oh, wait that? a minute. Listen. Thanks <laughs> for your contribution. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mr. No. The Carry on with your thought. I just thought you might not be aware. You might not have been aware. Up, you have been aware. <laughs> thank you for that, no. Jay. Well, wow. it's my pleasure. Wow, I like to contribute.
6: <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but nobody can. How do you test that? I mean, you got to have a, a control. So, how many controls of 1945 Mouton are there? You know, there's a lot of counterfeit bottles out there. And allegedly, somebody peed in the vat. FYI. Ooh. Of the real one. Wow. Um, yeah. Pissed off worker.
5: I wonder if that guy
6: in, in Israel would have tasted
4: Does that make it more valuable <laughs> or less, less valuable? How much fraud is that? How, what do you think in the wine world?
6: So according to the WHO, more than 25% of all alcohol consumed in the world is illicit. So about 20% of wine is counterfeit. In the fine and rare sector, in the upper you know, echelon, we're looking at 10, about 10%. And what's interesting is that, so yeah, I, when, when we authenticate a bottle, we look at, the glass and the paper and the glue, you know, it, does the paper react to UV light? Because if so, you can date it to right. a particular time. But in the wake of the Rudy Cronio on fraud, most producers in the world went away from plate pressed labels to digital labels. And unfortunately, organized crime can buy a digital printer fairly cheaply. So now we've just got and, and you know, if they get caught making counterfeit wine, nobody really Cares if they get caught human trafficking, they're going to go to jail. So organized crime has gotten into the game, and so the 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 world of of counterfeits has actually gotten worse, not better. So
5: there's there's a uh, Screaming Eagle wine. It now has an interactive authentication code that you type in or in a phone number to call, and it so you're going to be. I mean, what does it does that work? I mean, if if I'm this close to the bottle, yeah,
6: I already own it. Right, I have a problem in my hand. Not, a, not an investment. So I've been working on a, on a Web3 blockchain solution that where people can actually get the information online prior to sale, whether it's a primary sale or a secondary market sale, and the producers can actually track through the supply chain. The wine supply chain is one of the most opaque in the world, in the world, because everybody's secretive. The supply is so limited and the demand is so great. I mean, they are never going to make more bottles of the wine that they can. If a vineyard is as big as this room, it's never going to get bigger. That By law, mm-hmm. they can't grow it, mm-hmm. um, especially in the old world. Mm-hmm. So supply is is static and demand is growing. So the, the supply chains have gotten totally opaque. The gray market is huge. So producers can't even control where their bottles go. Um, and anything that you can scan on a label just substantiates a counterfeit refill. So, you know, people are, are collecting empty bottles and refilling them and reselling them. So we gotta, we gotta address the solution before people actually buy. Nobody goes to the wine store and says, okay, I'm going to spend $50,000 today. They do it from behind a desk, you know, they do it on the phone.
4: So with organized crime involved now in a bigger way, does it make your job tougher or scarier or more fraught with problems?
6: Um, you know, it is interesting. We found a rattlesnake in our house in Sonoma the other week, two weeks ago. <laughs> and it was right wow. after I made a post about Rudy's back in, in business. In your house? In your house? In the pantry on a high shelf. Wow. Crazy, right? Apparently.
4: Um, we back up. You were going in for some Triscuits. You opened the thing and there's My a-
6: niece was and heard the rattling. And my, my boyfriend's a bit of a prankster. He's a Boston guy. Uh-huh. And, you know, they immediately started calling. Like, Tel, tell us that rattlesnake is a prank. And I'm like, not a prank. Close the door. Yikes! So. Call nine one one. You know, it, it. We're on a big piece of land, so. But in twenty five years, we've never seen a snake there. So things like that make me wonder. I have been physically assaulted. So really, um, yeah. And you know, if i had just put my shoulder down, I could have taken the guy out. But um, does it yeah, concern you?
4: Does it? Con- you, do you have to- I take
6: bodyguards to some big, big tastings. But you know, hey, when it when my time's up, my time's up. You know, I'm just gonna keep doing what I do. Wow,
5: that's pretty cavalier. Cover me, I'm interviewing Maureen. yeah. Wow, Maureen, that's, that's frightening. You know, uh, anecdotally, you and I may be now on the list. Because <laughs> I'm not still doing mine. Because I gave after, an open forum, so the, let's get some other people after the in here to t- point counterpoint kind of thing. <laughs> but, 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 Maureen, wow, is, is there a difference I should care about between a $30 bottle of wine and a $200 bottle of wine. What, is there a value difference, an experiential difference that justifies that change in price? Or do you get just as much joy? For, you know, Is everything you're going to get from the $200 bottle available in a $30 variety? So
6: a car will get you from point A to point B. Whether you're going to spend more money and get an Audi or more money and get a Bugatti, Is really the question, like, Mm -hmm. what are your priorities? I don't drink a whole lot of $20 bottles of wine. Actually, that's why I do so many on Blanc. But for the most part, I would prefer to have a gin and soda and wait for good wine. Mm -hmm. For people who don't, who are not looking for the difference, if I put a $20 bottle and a $200 bottle in front of you, you would be able to tell. You would. You would. You would, even, yeah. And, and... So for someone who's looking
5: for that experience, the price is absolutely justified. 100%. Uh-huh. Wow, that you makes, know, sense. makes well, sense. I have internet. to say, I have, uh, I don't know if you know this, Peter. Uh, we have a very healthy uh, crop of grapes in my backyard. Do what are I you doing with to, it? What am I doing? I don't know. What do I have to <laughs> Wait do? Wait a minute. Get are a are you really
4: pitching your own vineyard? To Start
5: squashing. I probably got enough to make uh, a dozen bottles. Can we make some money on his backyard? What? I mean, is a, you can't just take any old <laughs> grape. jam? I mean, can anybody just take their backyard grape and crush them and go, weepy, I made a wine.
6: Yeah. I mean, they do it in prison. They I call was... it ook, but yeah. <laughs> if, they, if they can do it in prison, they can do it in your
4: backyard. <laughs> well, then I've got, to got so a leg up. So how many bottles, so how many bottles, I always look at vineyards, like when I go to another country, my wife and I'll see a vineyard and it looks like a hillside with the stuff on there. How many bottles of wine can you grow there to make it worthwhile? How much land do you have to have to produce enough bottles that you're making money and it's profitable?
6: Well, I mean, it depends where there is. I mean, you know, Romané Conti is a tiny vineyard, and, and but those bottles hit and they sell wholesale for 8500 each. And as soon as they hit the market, they're 28000 So uh-huh. you, you can make, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. Two backyard, a- a- you, <laughs> <have, Jason's laughs> yeah, you could have some, you know, some J.A. estate. <laughs> yes.
5: Uh, no, you now you're talking.
6: Yeah. yeah. That's
5: right. Fr- it's really fascinating. This is gonna take us into like the the you know bigger thoughts about our subject today. But the people who are getting ripped off for the most part in this are are getting ripped off because they're able to buy extremely luxurious they're they're in a luxury market for the most part, are they not?
6: A lot of people say no. So the the people that that really that make me really sad are like this guy in Copenhagen and I went out and he'd been collecting for like 20 years and he had collected all of the major vintages of his father's life. Mm -hmm. The year he graduated from college, the year he met his mother, the year he got married, um, each one of the, his siblings' birth years. And they were going to take those bottles back to the producer and enjoy them with the producer. And most of them were counterfeit. And so he was not robbed of money. That's not the important part. He was robbed. Of that, of, that, of that, the authentic.
2: Of that experience.
0: Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. My I didn't sister. know we were going to go there, Amit. one. Listen to a really good cry with Radi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver.
9: on purpose with jay shetty on the iheart radio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts trust me you won't want to miss this one i feel like and
5: i i felt a little of this watching some of the documentaries where i went listen i I, i'm not happy that these people are being ripped off I, i i don't condone that at all but i'm i'm also kind of like caveat emptor man i i mean you know you're When I hear somebody is, is out 48 million from their bogus wine purchases. I go, well, you know
6: what? Maybe that 48
5: million could have gone to some other things. Well,
6: and also, Uh, you know, at the time, at the point that you're, you're getting ripped off for 20 million bucks, like dude, get an expert. Yeah. Like, would you really buy that much art without asking an expert? Let's leave. Come on.
4: Usually what we do after the guests is is expand the topic a bit. We're going to go to fashion and luxury, but we'll do it with you here. So art, same, same thing as far as authenticity. But what's really interesting is I started, I was going to compare it to the fashion industry. And I started wondering why people buy luxury. And the luxury market has exploded. Um, Almost 30% of people who buy luxury make under $50,000 a year and can't afford it. And they want it because of the authenticity and how it makes them feel. There's that endorphin connection, which is really amazing.
6: And that's certain people. And you know, what's interesting is that there was a very interesting study done in Australia. And women who wear fake bags, and fake watches tend to cheat more often.
4: Because, because it's not about authenticity, they, yes. Correct. And the weird yeah. thing about that, then you look at the role models that these people look at. Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, Peter, all these guys wear T-shirts, jeans, and hoodies. So the wealthy are about access yeah, and power. Yeah, they probably
5: got $40,000. I, I have an interesting vantage point because my wife used to work for a very high-end fashion design company. And in fact, part of her job was, you know, colors would come in and they'd have to name the color. Can't be a blue. You can't be a blue sweater. It has to be a, you know,
6: a coral dream or it has to be a whatever. Well, you have somebody who can look up new, new terms for you.
5: But, you know, I know from, from her experience in that, that, you know, a sweater would, it would cost them $80 to bring it into the, into the studio and it would go out to retail at $3,000, $3,000, I, and, and I go, who buys a 3000 Now, as a sweater, I go, maybe there's a sweater that is, uh, you know, if it's really a great-looking sweater and you need a sweater, but there are fashion. I see high-end, we, we all see the fashion shows where every outfit yeah, up on that niche. runway is like yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars, and there are nine people in the world that can wear it. But
4: those are sta- statement stuff, and the real interesting thing I want to say <laughs> before we go on this topic, though, the really interesting is young people under thirty, though, with fashion now and brands. There's a secondary market. There's a resale market. So there's another. There's a whole other element to that that we never had before, where you can get something, buy it, and then flip it, and make right. make money on it, whatever. Let's go to Google Heim though and see if Google Heim looked up your. Uh, the stuff that you kind of threw out there and said, maybe you'd have a guy who could Google this. Yeah. Google Heim?
8: <laughs> we got a lot to talk about, actually, so I'll, I'll be as quick as, as, as I can. As you okay. said, there is a 1,700-year-old wine bottle, sealed, still drinkable, and actually not from Israel. It was discovered in a tomb of a Roman noble in fair okay. Germany, in, in 1867. There was the, the the wine, the olive oil, as we said, and then there was wax in uh, above.
6: And they say I expect, got it halfway. They
8: expect it to be
4: nutty. And how a do they know nutty, it's still th- drinkable? How do they know? You're gonna prove them wrong.
8: They, there's actually a, a debate going on whether they should open it up and and, and and try it or just you know deal with whatever. But they you know.
5: Well, Again, I say the the rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Then go right through the oil, right through the cork, right through the oil. Jason,
4: she already said that's idiotic, that would, leave would, alone. That would ruin leave the
5: <laughs> Oh, what does she know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden you're a vintner, you got your backyard grapes. rabbit. All right, all right. Yeah, go ahead, David, I'm sorry.
8: Far be it for me to, to back up Peter, but Peter's 100% right with the Balthazar story. According to the New York Post, and I think at Decanter.com, I'm hoping that's more reliable than the, Decanter.com. The New York Post. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought
5: that was a totally different site. I really thought that was where you go when you have a bar mitzvah training. High holiday <laughs> services. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah.
8: apparently the restaurant
6: Decanter's a legit wine wine news.
8: I,
5: I misread. I misread. It
8: was <laughs> a it was a two thousand dollar Mouton, 1989 Russia. Rothschild. There you go, Rothschild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had put that and the $18 wine in identical decanters, so they didn't have the, the bottles to, to compare. <laughs> and, of course, it was, uh, no, nobody, me, knows, nobody noticed until, you know. Uh,
5: uh, but that couple, the young couple what, who got it. I'm telling you, whatever yeah, you schmuck orders Bravo a $2,000 bottle of wine and accepts it at the table in the decanter, I-
4: because okay. yeah, you would never get All your right. you'd never get your two thousand dollar bottle of
6: No, the deal All is right. you don't decant like anything unless it's brand new.
4: Like, ah, who decants look at won. that. So how so how did Balsasar, one of the top restaurants, not know that, or was that their shtick? Can I'm not going to get in fight with now. you hear what okay. oh, 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 the oh. eye
5: roll is saying? Yeah. No,
4: no, no. She's saying. It's saying, she's, loud saying and clear. <laughs> she's saying, I don't want the, more rattlesnakes on shelves. I <laughs> <Yeah>. don't need. <laughs> yeah. I don't need. Yeah,
8: yeah, yeah I got, also, it. I got yeah. it. I got it. I got it. Mark Zuckerberg's hoodies actually cost about 2000 a pop. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't have logos on it. Yes, but there's still two thousand uh, a pop.
4: I understand, but other people who are buying luxury, it's a labor the logos. fee. <laughs> they <To,
8: to laughs> not put a logo on. Yeah,
5: <laughs> it's a, you're paying for the
4: labor, right? And, 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 and one
8: more thing, and I'll get out of get out of your way. The first, and I'll wait. Wait, I love that he's part of the show,
4: but and then I'll get out of your way. Like you, you're like okay, thanks. I
8: don't know you know. What can I, I can I just say something? Yeah, yeah can I know. I, just say something? I know. I always round
5: for him. Oh, I don't want to say it. Why we?
8: You'll notice
5: I never do that
8: to you, David. It's only him. you were my advocate. Thank you and that's, that's right. because
4: laurie's making a face at me like i'm gonna i'm gonna wrestle you to the ground if you keep talking yes
8: yes she does that she All texts right. me but i like and this is me. a happy <laughs>
4: show behind the scenes
5: <laughs> let the man
4: talk this we'll your husband going companies are right. don't show them who we really are
8: no i backed i backed one of the, the first no wine was made over nine thousand years ago and guess where it was
5: uh bayonne new jersey Livingston, New Jersey.
8: <laughs> well, every, yeah, right. the oranges everything old is new again china now of course uh, there there are no bottles or anything like that of, of drinkable uh, a wine left, but there was as uh, you know uh, vessels or whatnot, and they could yeah attack. it was a cookie it was it was, it. A, it was a, <laughs> it was, it was a uh, mixed fermented drink of rice honey and hawthorn fruit or or grapes so it was a
5: that actually uh, sounds very wow good. that sounds quite nice yes yeah. here is yeah. all I want to say do you do you collect any luxury items are you a luxury purchaser no no. Neither am I. And we're Nothing. in
8: a logo. It's really, really. No <laughs> Polyester no. shirt, by the way.
5: Here's how I, here's why I think all, all, all of this stuff. I think it's never the value of the thing. It's only what we attach to the thing. Of course it is. That's so, all it's all about. I just, I just had an epiphany. Don't say of oh, course goodness. it is. Oh, I'm, I'm, Excuse me, wait. Pretend I didn't, I, well, I
4: edit that out. Not really, but go
5: ahead. Yeah. So my parents, when I was a, a young man, had a painting in our home that absolutely everybody was fascinated by, drawn to. It was, it was about a two foot by three foot painting on paper. It was an abstract piece. It had a a, a kind of an uh, oriental feel to it in that it almost looked like, uh, letters of some Asian language. It was a beautiful sort of electric cobalt blue that it looked like the artist had, had, Drawn a palette knife or some sort of implement into, and people would ask who was the artist, where did you get this, what was the value, and my parents would talk about that they had this in an auction house. It was actually one of the most expensive items they'd ever bought. That it that, that it was a, a young and unknown artist, uh, and they would go on and on and on. And people would not only be interested, but on some occasions would say, if you're ever willing to part with that, I'd be willing to to buy that. You know, and the. It, for, This was a finger painting I did in kindergarten of my house (laughs) and the tree in the backyard that my parents would spin this horse and, and nobody didn't think that it had the value that they said.
4: So people project, look, we feel like we need expertise. There's chaos in the world. We need experts because experts make us feel better about the chaos. They assign all kinds of stuff and rules, et cetera, to make it make more sense. I was, read, like I said, I was. We can ready, also
6: save you a lot of money, though.
4: And you can save, and you were really, I got to tell you, Maureen, you were really impressive, amazingly impressive about thank you. that world and knowing the world. And there's so much more to it than just assigning value and, and the BS that goes along with it. So yeah. thank you, thank you. Right, thank should we, you
5: for having me. Thank you, everybody. And uh, let's give it over to our certainly drunk uh, announcer, thank you. Noah.
3: Another episode of Really No Really comes to a close. I know you're wondering, who are the largest consumers of wine? Well, I'll give you the answer in just a moment, but first, let's thank our guest Maureen Downey, the Sherlock Holmes of wine. Follow Maureen Downey on Instagram at x at moevino, and on the web at chaiconsulting.com and winefraud.com. You can find us online at reallynoreally.com. We're also on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and threads at Podcast. Please check out our full episodes on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and tick that bell so you're updated when we release new videos. And thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing the show. We release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to follow us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, the world's largest wine consumers per person are reportedly the residents of Vatican City, with each person drinking around 19 and a half gallons per year. Didn't know that the College of Cardinals was big on ragers, but you learn something new every day. Really No Really is a production of iHeartRadio and Blase Entertainment.
1: for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
10: That's
2: right. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett.